0: Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. I'm your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories and give you a behind-the-scenes look at the life of a technology reporter. We'll learn about the person behind the byline and get their thoughts on the top trending stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. This is Christine Blake, the host of Insides and Media Minds, and we are here in studio today with Carton Cordell, the staff writer at Washington Business Journal.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for coming in today. Happy to be here. Awesome. So let's go ahead and jump in, starting with um, some background on yourself. So you write for the Washington Business Journal. What do you cover there?
1: Uh, everything uh, technology and government contracted related, related, uh, even aerospace and defense. Uh, certainly digital transformation, cloud adoption, mm-hmm. cybersecurity. Uh, anything basically that the government wants to buy, we are on it.
0: It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot of topics. <laughs> yeah. So how did you get your start? in journalism, and then in this
1: space in particular. It was kind of one of those funny things. I was a history major at Auburn. Uh, I thought I wanted to be a history professor, but then on the side, I was doing all these things that were absolutely journalism-related and not really realizing it. had a radio job coming out of high school, uh, worked for the yearbook and covered sports and wrote for the newspaper here and there. So I got to the end of my history degree and graduated, and it seemed like the only thing I was really interested in doing was journalism. So Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to go back, uh, which went pretty quickly considering I just finished all my core, and I just had to focus on major stuff, and did a lot of sports writing, um, which at Auburn's a good place to do it. Um, And then got out and uh, did a little bit of magazine work and covered high school sports in suburban Atlanta. And then what brought you up here? So uh, I did a little bit of everything at the company in Atlanta and wanted to upgrade my skills, digital media and so forth. So I went to grad school uh, at Northwestern and was looking for a media city uh, with a lot of business and interesting coverage. And, you know, D.C. really fits that mold right now.
0: Yeah. So what is it about, you know, the government contracting space that you find the most interesting?
1: Well, I got very fortunate that I hit on a time where the entire federal government is trying to upgrade its technology. Mm -hmm. This is probably one of the more seismic shifts in that area. Um, You think about all the defense spending that happened 15 years ago. This stretches even beyond that. So it's, uh, it's a great business narrative. It's a great sort of Dramatic sweeping trend narrative, which I really love sweeping trends in terms of coverage. So it's just really a good time to be in this
0: space. So. Yeah. So how do you have to approach this topic differently than, you know, say your previous um, writing experiences? Like what? Like how do you approach writing about this space and interviewing people for it, for your articles?
1: Well, we were just talking about this earlier. Um, Washington Business Journal is very much focused on the private sector side of these Mm -hmm. equations, the contractors and their movements. Um, There's a lot of mergers and acquisitions right now which makes things really interesting. There's a lot of competition for big level contracts. You're moving to cloud thinking about the JEDI contract Mm -hmm. first off. That's the the one topic everybody's really sort of honed in on right now. So uh, I think for me it's learnings, the contours of what that the beat is, and what there's always sort of some narrative pegs that are very interesting to your readers, Mm -hmm. no matter what you're covering, and learning what those pegs and those buttons are to push the audience, that's really the the fun stuff I'm learning now.
0: Yeah. And then how do you find your resources to interview on these topics? What is your approach for interviews?
1: Well, I I mean, I'm very fortunate in coming in the footsteps of Rob Terry, who was my predecessor at WBJ, who left me a a lot of knowledge base there. Uh, But in in terms of what I'm covering these days, it's a lot of uh, your traditional business reporting, the the, the earnings reports, the the, different financial pegs of the companies as well, and that is I'm very fortunate to also be combined with some of the knowledge base that I had before with where the federal government's going in terms of its investments and technology. So it's really just uh, learning who the players are and kind of uh, what makes these different beats tick. Uh, in, in this case, it's a lot of uh, mergers and acquisitions, business investments, and uh, in many cases, emerging technologies where that R&D money is going and what companies are rolling out.
0: So you mentioned the Jedi contract, which we hear a lot about. We've talked to, to a couple of people on the podcast about that here now. Aside from, well, I guess maybe including that and and A's, what do you think is going to be the biggest story coming out of 2019?
1: Uh, Jedi is going to be a very big one. Um, it, in what also gets lost in the weeds is there are also some big ticket contracts that are coming out of DoD, uh, thinking about DoS, the eight billion dollar back office uh, cloud contract as well. People tend to forget about that one a lot, but because Jedi has been so dramatic, it's seen so many steps of contract protest and so many back and forths, and it's not even clear once it does get awarded that you know we'll probably see protest even then. Uh, that draws a lot of attention in the industry sector. Um, where we go from there, and how other agencies compete their other cloud contracts, thinking about the intelligence community with theirs, they're all kind of going to sort of follow how Jedi rolls out and mm-hmm. what the lessons learned from that procurement will be.
2: So, what's your news cycle in terms of the you know, business journal comes out once a week? How do you work? You know, is it on a daily basis, and you're finding online stories, or when you're dealing with these broader issues? Um, you know, how far in advance do people do to get in front of you with their news?
1: Well, it, it's it's an environment that I really like because we have a weekly print product, so you have that hybrid meld of being a digital outlet alongside the traditional. You know, set in stone. This is your production schedule. This is when we need stuff by. So that that's a good thing that keeps you honest in terms of your media production. Uh, it reminds me of when I was at Federal Times, and we we had very much the same structure, uh, but. We, I feel like, are very much a digital-first outlet. We we have to feed the beast in terms of daily news. Thankfully, there's a lot going on both in the government side but then also in the business side of it with financial transactions with these companies acquiring new you know, segments and units to uh, diversify their holdings. So there's a lot to kind of draw from. It's just really sort of uh, which channels you want to try to swim in to find your news for the day.
2: Yeah. And and next question for you also is in terms of the, the size and scope of companies that you're looking to talk to, mm-hmm. right, because again, the Business Journal, you're, you're broad in that sense in terms of the business side of things. So how do you decide, you know, our know, small businesses and startups, which we've got a vibrant community here, uh, uh, ecosystem on that side of things versus the, obviously, the, the well-known large government contractors. I mean, how do you decide who to talk to and, and, and to talk about what?
1: What is the challenge? Um... I like the trend aspect of a story. I like finding something that really does have some legs and has a lot of narrative scope that you could follow for a while. Uh, so that makes things like mergers, mergers and acquisitions really entertaining. Um, but then, you know, as you said, you have your traditional aerospace and defense, which is huge in this area. You, know, you have companies like Northrop Grumman that have based here over the years. You have Parsons that's just lost, launched its IPO out here, this is an area where you know, big companies are really coming to take hold, not only for the proximity to business, but there's a lot of innovation in the startup community here that they want to then get in and acquire. So I think, uh, I mean, you have your traditional lines that you're calling through whenever Lockheed or Northrop issues their earnings reports, we have to be on that. But then there, that pocket of innovation is so entertaining right now because you know little startups I shouldn't say a little, but startups in general, they have the ability to really do new and interesting things and turn around quickly on a dime that a big corporation will not be able to do. So if you're looking for narrative ingenuity, that's a a really great community to jump into.
2: Yeah, I think we were talking just before we got on this live podcast about the cybersecurity community, for example, right? And, And I was sharing kind of my passion around the ecosystem which is the DC, Virginia, Maryland region and all the great things that are happening there. So I'm, I'm really hoping uh, that you're going to be part of uh, covering that great ecosystem and all the exciting things that will be happening uh, to come. In, in the cybersecurity space, and, and as we talked, right, all these acquisitions and, and mergers and so forth that have been happening are just, the, I think, the tip of the iceberg uh, of what's going to be happening around
1: here. So. Well, I mean, yeah. HQ2 has only put a spotlight on that. You know, yeah, it's, it's going to really. uh yeah.
2: we even touched on that. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. So yeah. What What's your take on that, and how that's going to impact
1: the uh, the region, well, and, I, and
2: how you're covering the region? I mean,
1: well, it's interesting. The thing that everybody's afraid of is that it's going to take away talent, which is, I mean, when you have 300,000 cybersecurity jobs open nationally, yeah, th- th- there's not a lot to go around. So in a company like that, it's going to draw away talent. But one of the reasons why they came here is because all those channels of talent development are already in place, and they're hoping to foster those even further. So I think it will also make it very competitive, uh, the ripple effect of, you know, there's not enough talent here, or talent's too competitive here, where a is gonna sort of drift outward. How, how much is that gonna splash out into further regions? Sure. That'll be entertaining to see. Yeah. So, but uh, I mean, yeah, talent draws talent. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. It's gonna make it competitive for sure. Yeah.
0: So, let's jump into a listener questions. Um, The first one, it actually kind of relates to some of the things we've been talking about. And the question is, what do you make of how the relationship between Silicon Valley and the federal government is perceived today?
1: Ooh, um, it's an (laughs) odd couple. Yeah. Um, Because government definitely wants to get in on Silicon Valley, and Silicon Valley definitely sees a very vibrant business opportunity in buying from government. However, they are two diametrically opposed philosophies, you know, you have the fit, move fast and break things mm-hmm. aspect of Silicon Valley. That is is government. And uh, watching those two blend has been very entertaining over the past few years, uh, thinking about things like 18F and how they work within government, the you know, digital service. They've been very successful in a lot of aspects, but I think they would even tell you there have been growing pains. Um I think that's an ongoing process. I think that there's a lot of education to be had on both sides there. Uh, the government is not going to change anytime soon, but there is room for it to innovate and learn how to you know, refresh and do things, uh, I think, a little bit more efficiently than they have in the past. The administration is trying to work out a lot of that with its president's management agenda, with its cyber reskilling. So how that transformation takes hold and then Business has always been very adaptive. Mm-hmm. How they continue to try and work within the federal bureaucracy infrastructure is gonna be something I'm, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying to watch moving
0: forward. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see see what happens there. And then our second listener question is, um, we've heard many companies say what makes them great is their people. To you, what actually makes a federal government contractor to be compelling?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, I mean, Our listeners are
1: so smart. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the thing right now is, I mean, you have so many traditional contractors that, I mean, they're used to doing business in a certain way with the federal government. Their ability to innovate, especially right now, is going to be essential. Um, mm-hmm. We're seeing one of the biggest techn- technological shifts that... I mean, certainly in society, but certainly more so in the federal government. It's very focused in the federal government because that has been a, um, choose the right word, regimented pursuit. Um, if you're moving to things like AI, you're moving to things like automation, RPA, and then eventually quantum computing, uh, watching contractors onboard that technology, that innovation adapt their own processes and then apply it to the federal sector is going to be the the trend of the age. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think uh, any company that can really infuse the innovation into its own operations and uh, learn how to take it from there is going to be the next big player moving forward. Mm -hmm.
0: Cool. So I guess, you know what, that concludes our listener question segment, by the way. I guess... um, so what's next for, um, you know, Washington Business Journal? What are you guys going to be involved in? Anything that you're working toward or in the upcoming year, whether it be events or any other kind of special special features, anything coming up? I know.
1: Well, this week we have our 40 Under 40 uh, Awards event, which okay. uh, features a lot of great people from the community. We just finished our Veterans in Business, which I believe is a, the inaugural uh, award season for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a lot of great uh, stories coming out of our – the dc area there are a lot of fascinating people right there um i was just thinking about katie crotty who's over at operation analytics she was one of our uh, veterans awardees that was an intelligence officer in the both in iraq and afghanistan and she's taken digital analytics and she's applied it all over the place um and then you know just some of the great business leaders we have now are fun to watch I'm thinking about Nazakin over in saic you know you've got a uh, warden over at Northrop um, it's a fascinating time to watch new leaders come into mm-hmm. these big companies that, and uh, seeing where they're gonna take them and what the arcs of their careers are gonna be that's a uh, fascinating for, for yeah. you know me to cover as a reporter yeah I'm sure that's fun to work on yeah. so. Great. Evan, do
0: you have any other questions what do you do when you're not writing? There you
1: go. I have two small <laughs> children, so they pretty much command all of my time. I've got a, a two and a half year old and a five month old. Oh, oh
0: wow! Yeah, yeah. Changing changing down, 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 down
1: my spine. I Over those those days. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, been very interesting, very entertaining. But they're sweet kids, and That's a, they uh, they keep you occupied.
2: Yeah, I I remember that. Yeah. A <laughs> minor older now, but. Uh,
1: well, Good luck. I, I'll be coming to you for uh, hope and uh, aspirations there. Uh, i let you know I have
0: three
2: teenage daughters, so I'll
0: let you oh, know. Oh, goodness. That, and, that <laughs> and then do you have any pet peeves as a reporter or things that, like, you know, that you maybe, you know, would like to tell people, give them advice on whether it be people that are working for companies that are reaching out to you or anything as you're writing that you're thinking about?
1: I know it, it can't be a very easy job, especially reaching out to me. We were talking about earlier that uh, one of my great sins is uh, responding on email. Um, I, I, I would say, you know, trying to make your pitches as personal as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, watch our coverage. I think I got a pitch the other day and I think some of my colleagues did where the salutation was dear XX that's wow. you know I can't imagine that's how painful. many of those went out today yeah yeah <laughs> my moniker yeah um <laughs> yeah I, I can't imagine how many pitches won't be send yeah. out today. it's a wet paper towel theory but uh you know as many as you can cast personalized two is great um, if I you haven't heard from me by the second or third follow-up pitch yeah. you may not and I'm sorry mm-hmm. I would love to respond to all the people that have reached out to me but yeah I, it's it's a sheer numbers game
2: sure.
1: um, and so, then
2: oh, are you active on social
1: I am uh, LinkedIn LinkedIn is probably the best one Twitter is very good as well um, so those are the ones I'm always following all through the day uh, they're, they're great channels for news in general in any way and it's an easier way to you know engage So.
0: Mm-hmm. Good to know. Well, takeaway is don't call Carton XX. Just take away. (laughs) (laughs) He may have just got a
2: nickname.
0: Yeah, that's true. He might have to call you that. He'll be like, who are these people? Um, (laughs) Awesome. No, well, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us on the podcast today.
1: All right. Thank you for having me. Absolutely.
0: This has been Christine Blake, the host of Inside Media Minds, with our co-host, Evan Bell, today. Thank you. Awesome.